Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of the OmniTalk Fast Five. It is February 7th, 2020. I got home last night, 11 p.m. There wasn't a speck of snow on the ground and I woke up this morning and boom, there it was all over the concrete. Yeah, I did not even comment to you when I got home. I was like, man, it is balmy out. It's nice out. And you thought I was crazy. Yeah, it's not nice out. It's just you just came from a warm climate and it's just embedded. In I was in Kansas City yesterday and it wasn't warm, Ooh, really? but it was super sunny and it made the world of difference. It was amazing. I just like I brought a big jacket thinking, you know, I'm not going to be stupid this time and try to leave it at home. Yeah. And it was amazing. It, it was, was so sunny nice. here yesterday, too, which did improve the I overall mood. Yeah. Why were you in Kansas City? Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, quick day trip to Kansas City to meet a new day trip. Yeah, to meet a new client of ours. Uh, some super exciting stuff they're working on down there. Wow, so yeah. something happened in the world of barbecue sauce yeah. for Carter. Just you wait and yeah, find just out. Just you wait and see. All right, I like it. I like it. I had a fun week too. This week was awesome. We uh, had the chance. I did two presentations down at the NAX Leadership Forum. One was for the Latin America Summit, which, by the way, blew my mind. I, I met some of the smartest people I think I've ever met in my life like it was yeah these guys are just running huge crazy operations in all kinds of different countries like i got to hear them talk about like what it's like to run a run a convenience store operation in suriname and haiti and i was like just eating it up it was wild you know what uh one of the my favorite exports from suriname is Oh my god! I have no idea where this is going. Please tell me this is a is this a dad joke or is this a real thing? No, this is a real thing. Okay. I had to. I I was not familiar, so I looked it up because there's this fish that they sell at Costco that's really amazing that we only can get when we're in Florida, and it's from Suriname. Really? What is it? Do you know? Uh, or is it just an amazing Costco it, fish? It's a it's a white fish. It's called Corvina. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's S- like really meaty. It's really wonderful for tacos. Speaking so, speaking of Costco, you are Natalie attired today. I am. I'm wearing my Costco outfit. Th- yes. Is this what the pops got you? This is what my dad. Uh, he got me from all. Co- I'm wearing. I would head to never. Costco today. I would never. Never would have guessed. Right? I would never know. And explain oh, Carter, for the list. So kind for the listeners that missed last week's episode. What was what was the whole deal with you and your father and oh, Costco? My dad just, I, I was telling him, it's great. Costco's great. You're the perfect market for Costco. Um, they have great clothes for you. And he's like, you could have Costco clothes too. <laughs> it is possible. And uh, on, If you could only dream. <laughs> if you could only dream. And on Monday this week, I got a box uh, shipped from Florida from my dad with this outfit in it that is work appropriate. Well, and you kind of undersold that, right? Didn't you like? Didn't you like throw down the gauntlet? And he's like, "No, I'm going to give you a care package yes. in a cardboard box. It's going to arrive, yes. and you're going to be dazzled by Absolutely. the quality of what I find for you I, on I, a budget, right?" I was, ve- I was very dazzled, and to find out what like the pants that I'm wearing were twelve dollars, and I mean that's pretty. That's... Yeah, you can't see these on on the camera because she's sitting down, but they're like a suede kind of. They're like a suede legging. Um... Yeah, it's like suede meat. It's like suede meets Lululemon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Not to completely turn this to me, we have a pack schedule, but this is actually <laughs> my first Amazon wardrobe sweatshirt. Ooh. First part of the new uniform. We could talk about that this in another is the new episode. Uniform. Oh my God, we're going to have to come back to that mm-hmm. next week. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to the stops. Let's get to the top stories was said in proper English. We've got a full house here today. We've got Anne, we've got Carter, and of course, we have Emma, the intern. Emma, say hi. Hi. All right. Great to be here. All right. Let's do this. Let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Trigo. 
Trigo helps grocers unlock the true beauty of brick-and-mortar retailing by designing a magical checkout-free experience using computer vision and AI. Together with Tesco, Trigo is now building the largest free store ever built. All right, let's hit this up. There was some huge news this week surrounding Macy's. Now, Macy's, I'm sure everyone who's a loyal listener of Omnitalk is already well aware of this, but we can't let this one go without talking a lot about it. Macy's plans to close 125 stores and cut 2,000 corporate jobs. Enough said. Go. Wow. I mean... I think everybody was talking about this news this week, whether you're in the retail industry or not. Um, I, I have some words for you that I'd like to bring up. Ooh, things word, like association? things like North Star, Polaris, <laughs> growth treatment. <laughs> How do those make you feel? Do you feel better about Macy's and the position that they're in after hearing those words said so delicately? Yeah, that, that, that was interesting how you tried to do that. I could go off on this for like hours, so I'm not even <laughs> going to start. I got We got to hear from Emma and Carter on this one. Like, like, what's the take? I mean, it was a, it was only a matter of time before these things started falling off. I mean, have you been to a Macy's lately? And I think this side of the table, the answer is probably no. And Emma works at a mall. So, I mean, uh, the fact that we haven't actually looked to that store for any type of resource or use. If we rewind 12 months, actually, too, in the podcast, you remember my experience actually having to go to a Macy's to yeah. pick up wedding attire mm-hmm. and how absolutely horrible that entire experience was. And it was like, it was laughable. It was mm-hmm. so bad. And I'm not saying that's the reason they fell, but you're starting you, – the canary in the coal mine. I think we all identified – we've identified this for the last two-plus years, and finally we're starting to see some actually numbers fall off. Now, for me, who a lot of my work is focused on mall and mall development, I instantly go to another large anchor tenant is going to start evacuating yep. ship. What the heck do we do with that huge piece of real estate? And I think it would be really interesting to see, yeah, we've gone through the JCPenney, we've gone through the Sears side of things, but this is kind of uh, the next big retail tenant to fall. Um, and and what are these properties going to do? And it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, Carter, I agree. I mean, you think about, like, for me, it's like, is this the first domino in the actual, like, complete obliteration of the regional malls? Um, you know, you look at, there's a mall locally that's doing, like, WWE wrestling in one of the vacant department stores. Like, I mean, are they going to be able to survive? Like, is this going to be enough of an attraction when these giant anchor buildings are leaving um, to draw people in? And the other thing that we didn't mention in the headline that's also really important to report here is that they're also closing half of the story concepts that they rolled out. Surprise, surprise. In these stores, too. So we don't have the exact, like, this many stores. These are the stores that are closing. I think they've only released, like, 35 stores that... They're going to be closing this year, so we don't know how many of those have story concepts in them, but they are only going to keep 20 of the story concepts that they rolled out. Um, And then there was some... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, no, you're right. I mean, I think that's an important part of the story. And then they're opening up that other store in Texas, which I definitely want to talk about as well. And, and, um, and, uh, you know, I don't... This thing's a comedy of errors to me. I mean, I think I... uh, At this point, my leash with Gannett would be practically done. I would, you know, yeah, I just... There's so many things that are weird about this story, like if you click into it. So one, first of all, yeah, you're right. The branding, let's call it Polaris. Could we not come up with something better when you already went after like the whole kind of North Star concept? Like, And from all of us who've been in a corporate environment, you know that took at least 100 people, oh, probably sure. some incredibly fancy agency, which I benefit from. just so people from. know, the 
Polaris is the North Star. Right, right. So and, it's the and, same thing. Just a, just isn't a it a Saturday Night Live skit? Don't you picture an easel sure. with like a, a drape <laughs> over it? And it's like, it's called Polaris. Right. Yeah. And, and everyone echoes say, through the room. You Polaris, have to say Polaris. these strategies with like a Terry Gross voice. Like, <laughs> and, does, and does nobody just like, just go, this is dumb. Like, why are we doing this? And then the other thing is like, if you, if you, they, they also cut the entire San Francisco office. And the whole premise is that they're going to move the tech to New York and Atlanta. But my thing is like, if you already have an office in San Francisco, which by the way is the epicenter of tech, why would you go through the expense of moving that? That doesn't make any sense to me. And this might be a detail that. And I'm curious, Carter, for you well, on the, this one for sure. The intricacy of you see these huge companies trying to recruit talent. If you want the top technical engineers and the top right. technical talent, not only do you have to convince them to work for Macy's, right. but you now have to convince them to move to Atlanta. Right. And like and it's something we see here in Minneapolis, like Target's a big enough superpower where they are attractive. And, you know, we have Amazon here in the cities as well. But you start looking at Macy's and trying to draw actual talent that can make a change in the world we live in today. And good luck bringing them into Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, in Atlanta, in fairness to Atlanta, Atlanta's got a lot of good tech and a lot of good engineering. But like still the point to me, the point is more you already had it. Why recreate it? That to me smells of a function of a management problem. It's a management problem and a strategy problem. What work are they doing? What are you having them activate on? If you had that going, you shouldn't have to make this type of move. So where are the real root issues here? And then you look back to what you said, Carter, too. Like they, they keep doubling down on product. They keep talking about the everyone's doing the private label thing because Target talked about it so much. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to save Beth, Beth, Beth and Beyond. It's going to save Macy's. Well, no, it's not. We've talked about this before. I talked about this on stage this week. Like, People are still just going to buy that stuff online. And by the way, that's a more expensive way to buy that product. You still got to come up with something else. And Carter, to your point, remember my story too? Went in there last year. Do you have any St. Patrick's Day product for my kids? I'm sorry, what St. Patrick's Day was the answer I got asked back? (laughs) Like, you're screwed. Like, that's going to be impossible to fix. And then lastly, sorry, but I know, Anne, you want to talk about this. And then they're going smaller. Yeah. Like, what's the deal with this story concept in Texas, this new Ra- Rachel who only goes by one name concept in Texas? Well, I'm the actually, savior whose I concept wanna, didn't work. Yeah. Emma and I talked about this earlier. Emma, what do you think about this? I mean, it's they're definitely like moving to this smaller format as a way to capture your demographic. What do you feel like after you read the story about the new story concept down in Texas that they're working on? I would definitely be curious to go in there and see okay. what it's like. And I want to believe that it's just going to be a better experience. However, I don't think that they're going to have anything that I can't just buy directly from a retailer's website or from Amazon. Yes. Like, I just don't think that it's like, I just don't think it's going to work in the long run. And well, it's just one store. And and, did, sorry. And did you read the PR on this too? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say Jeff Gannett, his quote was that we're going to build more story full of things that nobody needs, but everybody's going to want. Is that what he said? Yes. Oh, but then the, I think there's like a ellipsis there. Like, I'm embarrassed. Everybody's, everybody's going to want to pay full price for because to Emma's point, you can go into that store and anything that you see in front of you, you can you know look up on Amazon and pay a fraction of that price for. So it's great if you are. I was just giving. What do you a, mean you don't have the Macy's app? <laughs> no. Oh, do not. Not yet. Weird. So I, the one thing that I, I'm going to, I like, I, I know that you know Rachel, she spent this entire year. We've talked about how that's not. I think we should just call her Sheckman because no one ever calls her by her last name. Rach dog. Yeah. Can we let's just, just, <laughs> let's just call her Rachel like, S. Just Rachel to put S. just to put one letter on the surname. Okay. Well, I do want to call one thing out. So this this 
uh, place that they're the South Lake Center where they're building this new market by Macy's. The average income in that area is one hundred and seventy two thousand yeah. dollars. So they're building this for a higher end demographic, um, a, a market that Macy's is not that's not their main market right now. So they're going after new people. Rachel has talent. I don't think that anyone can deny this. And so I want to make sure that we're calling out that like the images of the store are beautiful. Her ability to curate brands that people want to see and discover without a doubt. But the biggest piece of this that's missing, and I think the whole reason why this isn't working for why they're closing all the story concepts, not all, half of the story half concepts. Um, is that they're not giving her any other infrastructure to actually make this concept succeed. There's no mention of like planogram software or any technology that they're bringing in to make this be able to scale effectively. Well, yeah, but it's also because it's the wrong strategic approach. Like I agree with that, but at the end of the day, when you read these press releases too, Anne, mm-hmm. they, they go to length to say how like she has a relationship now with the mayor and she's living in the city and she's trying to understand everything that community wants. You can't scale that I was just with say. any amount of software you want. And Carter, go, please. No, I was I was going to say the fact that they're weighing, putting so much weight on the fact that she moved to Texas to uh, you know integrate this store is just laughable. Because I think anyone who has who is anyone will realize that okay, great, you'll figure that out. And if you weigh this whole test on the fact that it's so localized that we moved our top executives there, like good luck doing it anywhere else. And I think it's a it's it, the other thing is the demographic thing is super interesting. It's like you know high end demographic. I would imagine it's probably skews a little older Mm -hmm. and it feels like, yeah, of course you're going to put a Macy's there. They have money to spend. They probably have time on their hands. Like it just seems like low hanging fruit. That's not going to be able to do anything for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's Macy's justifying. I, I kind of look beyond the PR statement. I mean, reading that I was kind of like, this is total PR garbage. I don't need to read. any. I don't know though. I think they really believe it because that is how she always talks. I guess. And that but, was what we said in the ver- – see, and I don't want to spend too much on Macy's thing because yeah. there's a lot of great stories, one of which is Target and Casper. But, like, that is how they talk, and that's how they talked about story in the beginning. And look at what happened with story. Like, story story is easier to scale than what they're now describing they're trying to do in Texas. Yeah. I just – I think there's a huge component missing – that you know nobody is talking about in any PR release that is coming out they need to be figuring out how they're going to give anybody the tools to even attempt to roll this out to more stores in order to make sure that they can try to maintain some consistency as yeah, they, they need somebody up. that understands operations yeah. at scale for right. sure yeah my new hashtag I've been playing around with is uh, I got quoted in the Financial Times yesterday saying Macy's is the new horse and buggy of retail but I think in reality like the next decade Macy's is going to be the new Sears that's oh, what we're going to see. So it's brutal. It's sad. Burn. All right, guys, we have to crush through these next let's, couple of stories. Let's so do it. Story number I'm gonna, two. I'm going to look for like a one-word response from a couple <laughs> of these. Uh, but ultimately, we're uh, Amazon back in the news for their technology and hardware products. So the Echo Show can now scan barcodes to ultimately flesh out and complete your shopping list all via that one device. So Amazon just added the ability for some of their newer Echo Show devices um, and using their camera to actually scan barcodes from common kitchen items, food, etc. Now, if you think about it, this is a nice little feature ad. It's a nice little software update that Amazon put into play. But what I think is really cool about this is they are continuing to add features. They're continuing to add benefits to make the show be the kitchen hub. And I think as they continue to put that stake in the ground there, they'll continue to be able to open new avenues of revenue, of use, of value. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see. Now, if you remember, about two, three, four years ago, I'm dating myself now. It's hard to remember. They came out with that barcode scanner. I still have one sitting on my refrigerator. It's not charged, but it's fascinating 
fascinating to look at. But the barcode scanner had Alexa built into it, and it had a it looks like a wand, and you could basically go and scan items as they uh, ultimately were uh, were were. Uh, no longer there when they ran out, right? right. Um, and so now with the show, the idea would be that I run out of ketchup. I'd be able to say, hey, Alexa, add ketchup to my shopping list. Well, that might work. Or, hey, Alexa, scan this barcode. Ding. And now all of a sudden you have the exact brand, the exact quantity, the weight, or whatever it might be added to your shopping list. And I think another point of uh, reduced friction that Amazon is creating in the home. 100%. And this is what – I mean, I remember you liked this story a while ago. And I remember the whole like cooking the coke. Food Network thing, and you could bring that into this, into the kitchen, like Carter was talking about. You know what's coming next with this, too, is not barcode scanning, computer vision. And like I think you're they're, already, ro- that they're already right rolling that out. It. They're already yeah. rolling that out. That is a that is an ability in some some of the, the pieces of hardware. It's just the fact that, like, barcodes are just the start because it's 100% accurate or close, right? Yeah. Um, computer vision will be the next thing. Yeah, I mean, it'll be like it'll be like the self-checkout machines where you just wave, you're going to go to the garbage can, you wave the product you need to replenish in front of the Alexa, which elimin- there it is. And which eliminates this produce spot. issue. If you think about it, it eliminates this produce issue of how do you type in how many grapes you want when the camera can actually just count how many you actually have. It eliminates the search for everything. Like you could literally just be like, hey kids, this is actually awesome. I might try this. Hey kids, Grab this, grab that here, put it here. All right, click, boom. Let's have it delivered. Done. Like it does. It makes the hunting and searching for all those items so much easier. One last comment. Yeah. I don't even think you need to put it in front of the camera. My argument would be that because the camera is always on in your kitchen and the quality of cameras these days, it will just know how fast you actually consume the qual- the product as many times as you pull it out of the refrigerator Jesus, and it will replenish that way. That's like super creepy. A- Emma just whoa. did like a whoa. <laughs> that's wild. But hey, they know a there lot of it. I said on stage yesterday, Amazon knows when we need cigarettes more than probably anyone else in the world. Uh, All right. Story number three. Well, uh, wait. Uh, sorry. You're going to do an Amazon story? and I don't get to comment on this. Uh, I feel like... Oh, sorry, no. Uh, hold My on. Bad. Hold the phone. My bad. Hold the actual Carter phone. Carter was trying to hasten our pace. Hold the actual phone because... My biggest thing to say here is, number one, you have this functionality on your phone already. That is the end of story. Yeah, you, but... And so but, it goes beyond the but kitchen. But people don't know that. Like, they, that, that is a hard get yeah, for people to understand. Yeah, but you're assuming that all these people have Amazon Echo looks. Or shows. shows sorry. Shows. Yeah, but you got to remember the barrier that the phone creates in the home specifically. Like, how often, like, are you... It, besides driving, there's really nowhere else where it's more annoying to, you know, take your phone out of your pocket and scan something. And I think that's been a big enough barrier to limit the use of that functionality. It still doesn't justify the expense of the device for me. Like, there... You can already do it on your mobile device. Uh, the device the I think expense, it does a I mean, lot. I think it does a lot more than that too, though. Like I know Carter. You know Carter controls his faucet and his lights. Yeah. And to Carter's point too, even on even on, I think the utility of these both too. Like one is both hands free, the other one is one hand free, and mm-hmm. two hands free to do what we're talking about in terms of pantry loading. I think actually is kind of a difference. It's only a matter of time, but with your Prime membership, you'll get a device for free. But, yeah, but I'll tell you, I got to. Yeah, right. Too. I got to tell you though, because you know I do this on stage. I always say. Show of hands, how many people have yeah. used the s- visual search function in the right. Amazon app? And the first question always is always, what did you just say? Yeah. Visual search. And then I say, oh, here's how you do it. And they, no one. It's always one or two people. It's, it's buried. like under 3% of the population. For now. I'm it. just saying there, the functionality is already there for yeah. more people who need a phone for more things than having another $200 device put in their kitchens. Super bougie. We can move on. Yeah, I, I, yeah. This one will be fun. That's a good argument. All right. Well, let's move on to computer vision and number three. All right. So, Seven Eleven announced this week that they are going to pilot a seven hundred square foot uh, cashierless store 
with their employees at their Irving, Texas headquarters. Now, yes, is this a big deal? It's another cashierless concept. Here's what I'll tell you. I think the big deal is about this. 7-Eleven is not partnering with anyone. They are developing their own technology and their own proprietary methods of doing this cashierless store concept by themselves. And reminder, 7-Eleven has over 11,000 franchisees. So once this concept is tested and refined and can roll out to markets. They have 11,000 people that are ready and willing to test it. I love the idea of 7-Eleven as we start to think about. I'm curious what the conversation was at Nax. You Mm -hmm. and I have talked about what this means, what the future of convenience stores looks like. I'm hoping that it's uh, an opportunity for them to expand their assortment to start to get more fresh foods there so that they can start to serve more people who 7-Eleven is really the only store in the town kind of situation. So um, I think right now they're only doing pilots with um, OTC drugs and beverages, CPG products. no food products yet, but that's kind of part of the next phase. So I love this concept. I think 7-Eleven deserves some credit for for doing this all in-house, and I'm going to watch and see where they go with it. There's another, there's another subtle part to this story also that's really awesome too, especially in terms of how I think you and I tend to think about things, especially from our Story of the Future experience. The other part I love about this is that there it's only open to employees. Yes. And that's what the approach Amazon Go took. And that's the part that I never understand why no one does. Anyone can do that. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how this technology is coming. We talk about how it's the same technology that powers autonomous vehicles. It should be easier to do. The bar should be lower than an autonomous vehicle. Everyone can open an employee store with this technology. This story, 700 square feet. That's all we're talking about here. But you start with 700 square feet, you work out the case with your employees, and then you grow it up. So the question, Amazon Go is almost two and a half years old, at least January 2018, and then it was employee only before that. Why haven't more people freaking done this? Like, just why? And like, that is brilliant. And your point about the franchisee aspect of this, yeah, once they figure it, man, it's whoever wants it, you know? It's whoever wants it. I can tell you from being at the show, people are thinking about it. People are thinking about it. I talked to the guy who's doing it um, out in California, Loop. Uh, I got a chance to meet him. Um, Really sharp guy, really interesting. Not sure if he's listening, but shout out to him. But like, there's, there's there's some cool new ways of thinking about this industry and that industry is super cool and super innovative and inventive too so it's going to be if these guys hit this yeah look out and if they i know they've had some difficulties with 7-eleven app adoption in the past but this gives customers a reason to download the app if they can walk in and out like this is it's brilliant that's a great point too and i never thought about that yeah like so now you you get the app download then you get the one-to-one personal connection with you as 7-eleven 7-eleven's also been getting into delivery options and other things of that nature as well Kudos to them. 7-Eleven's done a lot of great work, actually. They've, been a, we've, they've come up a lot. And catch our podcast on the Women's Retail Collective with Alicia Howell, the chief accounting officer for 7-Eleven, who's helping find the money for all of this Which, innovation work. If happen. I'm not mistaken, in a week is already our most listened to yes. Women's Retail Collective podcast. Yes. Alicia is amazing. Catch that. It's on Omnitalk. Okay. Carter, Emma, anything to add on here? The barriers to entry to getting in this technology is money and technical infrastructure. Amazon was able to do it because they own AWS and they have unlimited capital. Yes. And that's, and that's pretty amazing. So we have to be careful and like understanding that that's the barrier. And I think that barrier is also here in 7-Eleven where I think it's amazing. I'm super excited. Huge kudos to them. Figuring out a way that this can scale effectively and scale to 11,000 stores and be as easy as we're describing it of whoever wants it, raise your hand and we'll go install it is an amazing goal to have. I think it's going to be hard to get to that, but they're on their way. For sure. But I think the other barrier there is practice, right? 
like you actually have to practice. This isn't you something have to you start just somewhere. Create. Yes. Yeah. You know, this isn't one of those things where it's like, hey, it's live, we're ready to go. It's awesome. Like there was a story about when you know the Amazon Go store first rolled out and everyone crowding into the server rooms yeah. watching it all go down and realizing what's working and what's not. Carter has a good point there. Actually, I just want to bring up too is you think about how customized the assortment can get in each of those Seven Elevens. It is going to be a challenge to decide what products because in order for me as a franchisee to say I'm going to go all in on cashierless and put yeah. this in here, you have to be able to accom- your your assortment in store is going to have to be able to work with that. And we know some products are more difficult than others, yeah. and you can't have a store that has you know 92 percent of the product is to check off free, and then the other three things you know you got to pay normally for. No, so. you guys, you guys are right. It's going to take time. We've said that before. I think it's like I like I said, in, I wrote a cover story for the Nax magazine this week too. And the, the way I ended it was it's like when I was growing up as a kid in the Arizona lottery, you can't win if you don't play. All right. Speaking <laughs> of playing, Emma, you want to take us to story number four? Yeah. Staples is launching a new retail concept in Boston. This reimagined format spotlights co-working, podcasting, and, a com- and community event spaces. The new concept, called Staples Connect, is more than a place to make a transaction and offers customer-focused solutions and experiences with hands-on learning opportunities for professionals, teachers, and students. Huh? Emma, what do you think about this? <laughs> so when I first read this, I was like, man, Staples, haven't heard from them in forever. <laughs> And then I was kind of thinking, why would I ever go to Staples? And I genuinely could not think of anything because everything I can either get at Target or Amazon. Yeah. But I think that this is actually really cool. And I like that they've highlighted that it's going to be equally a place for service as it is a store. And I think it's really awesome. It gives students and teachers a place to work. I think it has so much potential for suburban America where like hip co-working places don't exist. Yes. And I think it's a really good move for Staples. And it's a really strategic way to get back into the retail game so some of the cool things about this well I- i'm overall a hater of it but when you look at Whoa. one of the points, when you look at one of the points i mean they're, part- they're partnering with like iHeartRadio to do podcast studios and things yeah, like that yeah. which i think I is kinda... is really interesting and i think you're providing infrastructure that is is different now i, I just I think... don't know anyone that does that in a co-working space i don't either <laughs> um I just – the thing is, is I think this is like a last-ditch effort. And when you look even at suburban America, you look at the power of the brand and really are you going to want to go to Staples or are you going to want to go to the local Starbucks, right, or the Caribou Coffee here if you're in the Midwest or whatever. And I think that those guys have a better potential on being the co-working community hubs that they want to be rather than a cold old Staples store in a strip mall. Yeah, I I agree with Emma. I think that this provides I like the idea of what this provides for the suburbs. Like they don't have you have tons of co-working spaces and cool things like this. Like this is going to be a great way to start testing this in some outside areas. Now, whether or not it works and whether or not people are going to start paying $600 a month in the suburbs especially for uh, a space at the Staples co-working space, I don't know. Whoa, this is $600 a month that yeah. I miss something. The, to rent out a co-working space, it's oh six hundred dollars a month. So okay, yes. that then just completely completely puts the nail in the coffin. <laughs> if you guys think that really? suburban America is going to pay six hundred dollars a month to go sit in a space that you could get at a Starbucks for three dollars for every four hours, I don't think it's. Wait, there's wait, no whoa, way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, okay, hold on a sec. Hold the phone. Wait. Why is suburban America different than the millennials who are paying that much to go to WeWork downtown? But we're not. That's the thing is how many people are actually paying to go to WeWork unless you're doing it for a corporate a corporate side of things or you're doing a side hustle. No, I, I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs are doing that here. You know, I, 
I don't know. I think the suburban co-working market is untapped. Like there's a lot I've because I've talked to a lot of people, especially people like 50 plus, 45, 50 plus. Like they're like, I don't want to go into downtown. I want to go to someplace. Your point though about where do I want to go and what aesthetically has everything I need Mm -hmm. for sure. Like, and I haven't seen this. So if it feels like a staples, I feel like, okay, yeah, you're right. That's antiseptic and I'm not going to like that. But, but if you designed it, I think Carter, in the way you're talking about where, you know, it has some of those aspects, but then it has also the aspects that make a staples brilliant. There's a lot of things that I can't do at those co-working spaces, having been an entrepreneur. And Anne, you and I have talked about it. We've always yeah. been like, why hasn't somebody done this before? But like office supplies, filing systems, like legal services, professional services, printing, all. If you could have all of that. You can sign up for your TSA pre-check in this space. Yeah, I actually thought that was kind of yeah. cool. Okay, I'm excited to be proven wrong. Like, I, I really am excited to be proven wrong. I just think that the the cost to entry for that is a lot. One one random. And they have the real estate already too. One random thing I'm going to throw in here to close us out on this topic yeah. is what I do love about this is that this whole concept of as the physical stores are changing and what that footprint looks like, so will the roles of the human employees who are in these spaces. Because now Greg, who runs Staples co-working space, is not only Greg with from Staples who can help you with all of your printing and copying and office supply needs, but now he's a podcasting engineer. <laughs> and think about the resumes. For these people who are working in stores that once were just cashiers, like now they're going to be have all this experience it's because of concepts like this. It is a more exciting So place I want to see the resumes from 2020 to 2030 and all of the things that people will be able to put them on. Let's go into the Boom, next Boom, bam. All right, let's close it out. Let's close it out. This is last one's a fun one. Have had a lot of thoughts about this one for a while. We've kept them kind of on the back burner, but it's good to bring it up now. So Target... Looks like it could be the loser in the Casper IPO, which happened yesterday and not the only one. So for those of you that remember, it's reported by CNBC that and many other outlets that Target invested roughly $80 million in Casper. Uh, I think it was back in roughly around 2017. Casper was hoping to debut their stock price around $17 to $19. Now, according to CNBC, the midpoint of that would have represented a 37% decline in Target's investment. Now, unfortunately, the stock opened at 12 and closed yesterday roughly at a price around $14.5, which means the company currently is valued with a, mar- with a market cap of about $575 million. So the story actually got even a little bit worse from where it was in the morning. Lots of thoughts on this one from me. The question I would have for you guys is, did this investment, did this kind of quote unquote partnership in some ways make sense for Target? I think it did early on. I think uh How so? Well, I think you get Target that was one of the first like D2C brands to get into a big store, a mass retailer like Target. So, it made sense early on. No. Couldn't you just put the products on the shelves? Why did you have to invest? Because it's so the whole thing about this and I it just gets to be more and more like high stakes poker to me. Like this market is just crazy. Which is always a good strategy. (laughs) Right. Well, it's not a good strategy, but I mean, on both sides, you look at Casper who's saying like, no, no, I'm not going to sell the target. I'm people are valuing me as a unicorn company right now. So how do I like, when do I pull the trigger? When do I go? When could I get more? Like, it's hard to know what kind of stakes there are. And so I think it's, it's difficult. Um, I don't know. It's, on both sides, I think Target lost. They lost. That's- what do you think, Carter? I think you know you're going to see 
similar bets in other DTC companies. And I think yeah. Casper is the leading horse in this. You know, you look at some of, I, you know, I'm not familiar with the investment strategy on the Harry side of things or any of the other type of things that have come into Target, but I think Target's taking a close look at some of these uh, DTC companies who are almost or approaching unicorn status. Um, I mean, how amazing if they had an early stake in Glossier or if they were able to or, or take a big part of that brand and that got away from them. And I think that ultimately they're trying to figure out how they play in this new world of DTC success. Yeah, I think we just got to be careful of that too, because at the end of the day, then Target's just at, this has been my problem. Then Target's just acting as a VC fund and you're playing a high risk game there. And are you the best equipped to do that? In reality, if you're making an investment, it should be something that where one plus one equals three and you get the synergies of what that partnership allows. This is what I've always had in terms of a problem with this, with this investment, with this look at Casper. Contrast this with Shipped, right? Shipped. Acquired that company, invested in that company. Ship is a platform for them to do business, not even better themselves, capabilities they didn't previously have, but also to take those capabilities to other people. Casper is a direct-to-consumer mattress company. At the end of the day, I know this because I used to sell them. I used to sell the same mattresses, white-labeled, in boxes. So you're not getting, on the fulfillment side, what capabilities are you getting? You already have the ability to deliver. Mm -hmm. Okay, All you're doing is betting on a product, a product that... A lot of people still question whether or not it's profitable. This isn't going to take you anywhere. This doesn't help you in the long run at Target and make you strategically stronger. Did I just convince you? Yeah. No, I agree. I think your points are valid. I think what that tells me just in what you said is that this was a marketing ploy more than it was anything. It was getting trying to like start the the pattern of getting more millennials and Gen Zers interested in coming back into a Target store because they're carrying these kinds of products. But to your point, could have been done by just putting the product. The other thing that's in conflict with me across this whole story over the last few years too, if you have the distribution in a Target with Casper, and I've seen them on shelves, and quite frankly, and Emma, I'm curious what you think. I don't think they're super inspiring when you see them on shelves. And it flies in the face of the whole business proposition anyway, which is We'll have it delivered to your house. It's super easy. That's why it comes in a box. That's why it's not a traditional mattress. And then also, if those distribution points were working for you at mass, why do you need to open your own stores? Like, right? Like, that's that's different. And this also being the guy who brought mattress. I'm the guy who brought mattresses back in as a test for Target. Like, it took me. It was like 20, 25 years before that happened to actually lay them out like a traditional box spring mattress. So like there's a lot of things in here that just don't make sense in terms of where the value creation is. All right. On that Woo. note. Woo. Woo. I like, got to take a hot shower after this podcast. I need a cigarette. <laughs> All right. That was fun. A total blast. A couple housekeeping notes. Uh, we are excited. We are gearing up for Etel West out in Palm Springs. We've got a pretty awesome podcasting lineup. If you're interested in sitting down with us or connecting at the show, let us know. But we're uh, planning to sit down with people from ThreadUp, Moosejaw, and Anne, help me out. What's the other one? I cannot remember. Oh, Third Love. Third Love, yes. yes. So, what a lineup. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Pulled that Huge on lineup. last minute there. Yeah, yes. no, I didn't know. You didn't know I was going in that direction. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, a lot going on. So it's very cool. Um, looking for partners to help us out with that too. So if you're interested, drop us a line. As always, remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We have been getting a ton of... This is our best traffic week in the history of the blog, too, just so everyone knows. So thank you so much to everyone out there for all of your support. It really, really, really does make a difference. If you haven't yet followed us on on LinkedIn, you should do that, too, because we put special content on there every day. 
Emma does a fabulous job doing our OmniTalk Top Talk every single day, and you don't want to miss that because you see all the top headlines that we just don't have the time to cover in the Fast Five. So on behalf of everyone in the podcast studio at Third House, similar to Staples, be careful out there. <laughs>